from One World Trade Center, where we can't figure out a 401k, but we can fill out a fantasy lineup. Welcome to the Golf Digest Fantasy Podcast. Welcome back to the Golf Digest Fantasy Fix Podcast. I'm Alex Myers, and as always, I'm joined by Joel Beal. And we are back after just a couple weeks of an offseason, if you can even call it that. We've got... Uh, the Safeway Open, formerly Fries.com Open, which will kick off the 2016-2017 PGA Tour season. And uh, Joel, I'll let you begin. Who uh, who do you like this week to kind of get off uh, to a great start? Well, the guy I like to get off to a great start is the one who kind of finished last year on a roll, and that's Paul Casey. Uh, finished the FedEx Cup second, second, fourth in the final three events. He's, he's number 12 in the world now, which yeah. is really astonishing given where Casey was just this time last year. Finished the season 7th in strokes gained tee to green, which I think it's going to be very imperative this week. Silverado's fairies are very tight. Um, not only that, the, the rough is very penalizing. I think this is all like up to 3 inches um, in length, at least as of today. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, will it reward those guys who keep in the fairway, and more importantly, guys who can kind of work around the greens, which that definitely applies to Casey. Um, also interesting to see if he can keep this up. He He's turning 40 this year. It just seems wow. like yesterday... Casey was like the up and comer, yeah, so it's kind of yeah. jarring to see that. Um, but I think for this week, I think the good times continue. Yeah, I, I really like Casey a lot too. You mentioned the run he had in the FedEx Cup playoffs; uh, pretty amazing stuff. It's also pretty amazing he was not on the Ryder Cup team for Europe. Obviously, there are reasons for that. He wasn't a member of the European Tour, but clearly, he was one of the top twelve Europeans. Um, Probably one of the top five Europeans, especially by well, the. So we just year. mentioned top twelve in the world. Right, so. <laughs> top twelve in the world, exactly. So you know, you wonder how things could have played out a little differently at Hazeltine if they'd had him, if they'd had Russell Knox, if they'd even had Alexander Norin, who's been hot as well. But uh, certainly, yeah, I agree. I think Casey gets off to a nice start here. Um, you know, another guy who I think gets off to a nice start is Kevin Na, who last year lost in this event in a playoff. Certainly, we, we might not remember because I know the wraparound season kind of gets forgotten a little. Um, but Kevin Nye had an incredible stretch last year. We had a runner-up and two other top threes uh, in a row. Now, he, he didn't end up getting a win last year, but I, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. Uh, he just had the birth of his first daughter. Things are going really well for him personally. Um, I think that translates to a big year for Kevin Na. This year, he gets up to another great start, and uh, he rolls from there. It was interesting about Na. Last we saw of him, he, he made the Tour Championship, but he was way off the back. In fact, yeah. he, both days, he was the first guy off since Jason Day uh, yeah. withdrew. And I think a lot of the public looks at Na as kind of like the stiff, cold, not really personable guy. Not exactly the case. I think you saw his personality shine through a little bit there on Sunday, literally running yeah. around the course. Um and he seemed to be having fun. He actually played relatively well yep. too. You almost wonder if he birdied he, the last four holes. Which is not yeah. not an easy feat to do and at he East played Lake. in under two hours. Which is barely. phenomenal. <laughs> uh literally that morning I tried to get just a quick nine in before going to the course. It took me two hours just to play six holes. Yeah. So yeah. It, that's I was extremely jealous. No, I, I agree. He he's got a fun personality. You know, we think of him as always this slow player and certainly we all remember the Players' Championship, I believe it was 2012, where he had the problems. He, he couldn't pull the trigger. Um, we've seen that creep up a few other times. You know, he took a lot of heckling, a lot of abuse. He's really worked hard on improving his pre-shot routines, you know, quickening everything. And as a result, I think he's 
improved as a golfer as well. So, yeah, no, he, he's a guy who, who definitely people get the wrong idea about. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see him come through and, and actually win instead of uh, just, you know, he's still stuck on the one PGA Tour title. Uh, who else do you like? Next that really jumps off the list is John Ram. And after turning pro last year from the U.S. Open, Arizona State product, he just went on a fiery run. Placed third at Congressional, second at Glen Abbey. Really, I mean, he's been off since the Lindemann Championship. So he's had a month rest, which I think is going to really do him well at Silverado. Uh, he's on the short list when we talk about the you know biggest hitters on tour, yet despite that distance, he's also fairly accurate off the tee. Um, I think that combo should bring dividends to the 21-year-old, not only this week, but I think going forward, even though he's at this fledgling state of his career, 21 years old, I think he's going to be like a top 25, top 30 guy this season. I know you are kind of in charge of playing like the not necessarily the sleepers, but right. guys just expect big things. I mean, he's got to be on that list, right, oh. of someone who we – I think he's the next. He's the next superstar on tour. Wow, next superstar. I mean, yeah, that's not a not a crazy statement. That's for sure. Certainly, he is on our list of sleepers. I'm I'm putting that word in quotes because everyone has their own definition of it. Certainly, if you're a big golf fan, you know who John Rahm is. Uh, you, you've been following him since his days at Arizona State, where he finished tied for fifth at the Waste Management Waste Management Phoenix Open when he was still in college. And uh, obviously, you don't you just don't see performances like that very often. Um, but our, our list, which will be coming out in the next day or so, so check out for that, top 13 sleepers to look for this year. Anyway, our list will be guys who have never won a PGA Tour event and who have never qualified for the Tour Championship. So, again, you can have a big name in there like a Bryson DeChambeau or a John Rahm or an even an Andrew Beef Johnson. All, I'm giving away some of the, the big names on the list, but... You know, it's one thing to have a lot of hype. It's one thing to play well at other levels. When you haven't done it yet on the PGA Tour, you're still kind of under the radar in our eyes. And But certainly I agree. I don't think it's going to take long for Rom to jump out of that. We were talking before. He is actually, despite only how many, six, star, seven starts? He had, he had nine starts nine last starts. year, seven as a professional. He, right. I think they count. He, I forget where he played. Where he played before the U.S., but he played in the U.S. Open as an amateur right. and finished like 23rd there. Right. Despite those starts, uh, he uh, th- that few of starts, he is not considered a rookie this year. He actually his rookie season already happened technically because he earned enough money uh, or FedEx points to earn his PGA Tour card for next year. Uh, he didn't get into the FedEx Cup playoffs because he needed a win to do that because he wasn't a member. But because he did that well, he almost penalizes himself from having a full campaign to win PGA Tour uh, Rookie of the Year. I'm sure he's not I'll that say, upset about it. That yeah, he's got devastated. Right, he's got a fully exempt status this year. But yeah, look look for him this year. But we're just pointing out a technicality there when when you find out that why he doesn't win Rookie of the Year despite what Joel says having a superstar breakout campaign speaking of which you know the story behind rom's caddy caddy it's what the phenomenal. guy who looks like he's eight years old yeah <laughs> he was a uh, walk-on at arizona yeah. state and when rom came over he you know from spain doesn't really know much english so he was kind of his you know, conduit in many senses mm-hmm. to introduce him to american american life and they became friends and all of a sudden this guy right from college is now making six figures Jeez. as rom so god it makes me wish i picked my friends better in college yeah right that way Jeez. <laughs> yeah that's uh Nice situation for that young man to walk into. He looks like he will be a goldmine on the PGA Tour. Um, let's move on. I've, I've already given you Kevin Na. Another guy I like is Justin Thomas. He's another guy who got up to a tremendous start in the fall last year. Um, unfortunately, it wasn't 
quite enough to earn him a spot on the Ryder Cup team. But that's uh, Justin Thomas. He, uh, you know, he finished third in this event. Uh, certainly, we all know about his length. Uh, I did see a picture of him, though, the other day wearing an Alabama jersey and flexing his muscles. And I got to say, he's pretty jacked. And uh, Which is which is jarring, giving – I think he did a photo shoot with us last year, and he was – I mean, he looked like Tayshaun Prince. Right. Just very, you know, skinny. Right. And, and it's funny because a lot of these guys on tour, obviously we heard when, you know, when Tiger went through, we had this huge, you know, fitness revolution. It's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. I think guys are more into, like, the flexibility training now, the, the, the like Well, yeah, strength. not bulking up. Correct. Yeah. But Thomas seems to kind of be going that route a little bit. I think yeah. it's actually a good thing. He, I think, which I mean, he's crazy long already. It, right. It, it'll be interesting to see what he can, you know, do with a couple more pounds on him. Well, that's what I'm. I'm worried about it. But again, it just was kind of jarring to see the pictures because he joked that you know he was bulked up, or I forgot what he said. Swole. Worried. Or so, something. Are you, are you think he's going like the Ricky Barnes route? No, I, I, I need to see some results first. But I. I Look, I'm just saying I was impressed with his <laughs> physique and it's slash surprised because like you said, we think of him as this little dude and and he is short or he's, he's not huge, put it that way. And yet he crushes the ball. But uh, we'll have to see if the extra muscle uh, helps. It almost but, sounds like you're jealous a little bit. Well, like the I, guy already has everything, a great golf game, right? like friends yeah. with Jordan Spieth and yeah. now throwing this in there. Right. It's well, not fair, he probably also has a private trainer and. Does yeah, all these, you know, that these too. Things, yeah. Actually, spends time working out, but <laughs> good for him. He, he it looks like the uh, the work is is paying off, and uh, the work in the gym at least. Um, who else do you like? Yeah, speaking in that or staying in that Spieth friends group, I'm going with Smiley Kaufman. Mm. After the Masters last year, he he really wasn't that good, which is funny because that was kind of his springboard to right. fame. Uh, but after the Masters, he played in 13 events and missed the cut in eight of those appearances. Um, really more known for his social media presence and being in that group with, you know, Thomas and Spieth and Fowler, the, the spring break group. Um, really, like more so than anything he did in the course of the last five months. Um, however, he did play well at Silverado last year, uh, finished tenth, and then used that as a springboard to win the next week at Shriners. Um, this is a nice field, but there are no top ten players in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think this is a very advantageous spot for Coffin to really get back on track and. Even though he has struggled, there were you know flashes of brilliance. I do think he's got a game to be a, a you know regular mm-hmm. solid tour pro. So I don't think he was a flash in the pan. I think he is a good player. I think this is where he kind of shows, hey, I'm I'm more than just a guy you see on social media. Well, this is an advantageous spot for young players and rookies, and the the fall season is in general. We saw uh, Kaufman win last year in Vegas. We saw Emiliano Grillo win this event, uh, mm-hmm. fresh off claiming the Web.com Tour Championship his first event as a PGA Tour pro, and he wins this event. So certainly this is a great opportunity for these guys to, uh, you know, play against, eh, let's be honest, not a great field here. Um, Although let's maybe talk about the biggest name in the field. Obviously the biggest name was supposed to be Tiger Woods. Joel and I went on and on about that yesterday, so we won't, we'll spare you that, that talk. Speaking Uh, of which, I've listened to that podcast we did yesterday. It was so rambling and so incoherent. I, I was a little upset, and then I realized that's how most of our podcasts are. So, <laughs> well, I, uh, it was it was too fresh, put it that way. Okay, okay, yeah. Well, I think we were both uh, in a little bit of a state of shock, especially me. I was pretty devastated by the news, but anyway, we we try to move on. And Phil Mickelson is still here. Joel, what do we think about Phil this week? Personally, I'm staying away from him. I think he's a little burnout from all the Ryder Cup, not only build up, but all the obligations that kind of came with his his role on the team. 
Honestly, if you look at his play following Royal True in that epic battle with, with Stenson, he really wasn't that impressive from mid-June or mid-July on. Um, he also is going to have a lot of off-the-course responsibilities this week. I think one of the reasons he is really playing at, at Napa is, I believe, one of his companies is kind of helping putting on the event. So I think you're going to see him, his his efforts and his time is going to be diverted from the course. And again, I just don't think he's playing particularly well mm-hmm. right now. So yes, he's a big name, and looking at, at some of the uh, weekly fantasy leagues, he's definitely has a huge price tag next to the name. I just don't think he he equates that much of substance this week. But what about those ten birdies? Ten birdies in one round at the Ryder Cup. Well, that, if you remember, Justin Rose did call it. Was it was a pro. It was a pro am yeah, setup. Pro am setup. Pro am setup that he shot one under on. But yeah, right. pro am setup. No, I I agree. Um, obviously, what he did at the Ryder Cup was pretty special. What he did at the Open was historic. Those are two huge events. He obviously gets geared up for the big events. He's 46 years old. He's at the tail end of his career. Or who knows with this guy. Maybe he plays for another 10 years. But he's on the back nine of his career, let's say, deep in the back nine. Um, I don't think he gets the the juices get flowing for him at at the Safeway Open. Although, had Tiger played, maybe a little different. Phil... Phil would have really wanted to put on a show. He would have treated Uh, this like a major. Exactly. Playing alongside Tiger... Phil would have really treated this uh, like a, a showcase for, for his skills. and I mean, he, he probably still will. We'll see some crazy stuff from him, I'm sure, this week. You know, shots off the car path, and that, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, certainly for his price, um, you know, being the marquee guy in this field, it doesn't look like it's worth it. And, by the way, I just saw the pairings came out. Phil will be playing with Emiliano Grillo and Bill Haas oh, first couple rounds. So, you know, Bill Haas taking Tiger's place, we can presume, uh, you know, just a slight, you know, it's about equal, I'd say. It's about equal right now. In terms of star power? I w- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to comment. <laughs> um, I, will, I will say the one thing that could be going for Mickelson this week, he, kind of a cat, he loves playing to the fans. He's going to be hail- He's going to be welcomed as the returning hero after that Ryder Cup win. I can maybe see him kind of getting into that, the crowd, you know, again, already a beloved figure. Maybe that fuels him a little bit more, but. I just there's there's more negatives than positives for him at least at least for me. On the topic of Tiger Woods, he posed for a photo with two s- fellow Stanford Dites something uh, Stanford Stan yeah. Well, you get the there's point. a reason they went to Stanford they went to we Stanford <laughs> they they probably know what they are they are cardinal I know that um, and that would be Patrick Rogers and Maverick McNeely McNeely is a senior he just tied the record for school victories by Tiger Woods and Patrick Rogers. He still has a few more months to break that record. Of course, Tiger set the record in only two years. Uh, anyway, I bring this up because both of those guys are in the field. Tiger was supposed to be, obviously he's not. Um, Maverick McNeely, again, he's a college senior. I'm not expecting much from him, although who knows, he seems like he's a tremendous talent. But Patrick Rogers, he finished sixth in this event last year. He actually had... Uh, I'd say a disappointing rookie campaign after all the hype mm-hmm. surrounding him, but he still finished 74th in the FedEx Cup points list. So, you know, easily earning his card for this year. That was his first full year on tour. He's only 24. So still a lot of time for him to show showcase his skills, and I think uh, he's another guy I'm looking at this week. I mean, when you're at the tour events talking to guys at the range, not only – you know, the equipment guys and the PR guys and writers and even the players themselves, Rogers is always that name that kind of pops up of the mm-hmm. next big thing. I feel like he's kind of taken that mantle from Brooks Kepka of 
everyone knows he's got that game. Yeah. It maybe hasn't translated yet to the actual scores or yeah. or finishes. But I'm with you. I think Rodgers is in for just a really big season. Uh, I think if you're looking for the guy taking that next step, he's a prime candidate. There you go. He's this year's Brooks Kepka, Patrick Rogers. You heard it here first. That's Joel Beal. Uh, who else, Joel? Who else do you like? Well, you have to follow that with Robert Castro, right? Oh, That's of course. <laughs> who, who is he? He's this year's Kevin Streelman. Uh, I don't know. That's, I don't know who that's more <laughs> offensive to. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, Silverado's fair was extremely tight. Uh, he was just really deep rough. That's why I like Castro this week, who ranks sixth on tour in, in driving accuracy. Played okay at last year's tournament. His overall finish was brought down by uh, 76 on Sunday, but he ended the 2016 season with a little momentum. Uh, four four top 25s in the last five events, uh, highlighted by a third place at Crooked Stick. He's only 31 years old, so he's kind of entering that prime, you know, early 30s for a golfer. I feel like that's when guys really start figuring it out. I, I'm not. It's weird to say a 31 year old is going to have a breakout campaign, but I see him kind of being. Is someone who's kind of been on the fringe most of mm-hmm. his career. I think he kind of all of a sudden is that top 30, top 40 player. We yeah. see him every week on the top 10. So, yeah, I like Castro not only this week, but going forward. Well, he cannot be on our sleepers list because he qualified for the Tour Championship. And actually, I think that was the second time he qualified for that event. So, yeah, he you know he's sneakily a pretty good player. Uh, I remember being at the Players a couple years ago when he shot the 63 to open, and it was maybe the best ball striking round in recent PGA Tour history. I mean, he had kicking birdies on mm-hmm. half the holes, it seems. So, yeah, he's he's a solid player, especially, uh, you know, his, his iron plays is extremely good. Um, any any other thoughts for, for this week, or should we talk a little more big well, picture? Well, this, I think, kind of speaks to both. Okay. The guy who we mentioned will be here. Well, we looked at, we mentioned Rom's case for where he couldn't, couldn't qualify for rookie of the year. Another guy who won't be qualifying for rookie of the year this year, but is really his first year on tour, is Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah. Six months ago, five months ago, we were talking about this as the next big thing. Yep. All of a sudden, then really lost his way midsummer. Actually, you know, played well at the U.S. Open, um, but after that was just non-existent. But then all of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, won on the web.com. Yep. Got got his tour card. He's going to be here this week. Do you see him? Do, do or or do let me restate that. Do you think we kind of fulfills what we thought about him just five or six months ago, or do we have to maybe check our expectations a little bit somewhere in between? What what time of year do you see DeChambeau having going forward or in, in 2017? Well, right. It depends how far you went with the expectations. I know I called myself a, quote, deliver. I was all in on Bryson DeChambeau. Um, I still am. I it, I don't, you know, is he the next superstar? I'm, I'm not sure on that. But, you know, I look at, Three events, really. The Masters, he's playing with Jordan Spieth as an amateur. He has all the hype around him. And through 35 holes, I know I know he you know, really struggled on that 36th hole. He made that triple bogey, and we never heard from him again. Or, um, he was tied for the lead at the Masters. The next week, he makes his pro debut, finishes T4 in his pro debut. That's impressive. In a pretty good field, too. In a pretty good field at Hilton Head. And then, yeah, he struggled, but I think he was kind of consumed with um, working with Cobra on these new clubs, right? Getting his new set of single. Uh, we obviously he was already using the single length irons, but he was he signed a big deal. He was coming up with a new set. I think that took a while. And the third event that impressed me was obviously the first event of the Web.com Tour Finals. You know, this is someone who we never expected would even have to go that route. We thought he was going to, especially after Hilton had just cruised turning his PGA Tour title, a la John Rahm. He didn't. He sucked it up. 
went to web.com tour finals and he wins the first event with a lot of pressure because he doesn't want to you know spend a whole year on, on the web.com tour this year so i think in the three biggest spots he stepped up he showed just how good he can be and again i, I give him a little pass for that lull because i think it was equipment related um so no i i, I think um i think he's on the same level as rom for sure i, I i'd wouldn't be surprised. Actually, I would say I expect both of them to be in the top 30 by the end of the year. I think this is one of the rare times we agree with yeah. each other because it's I so I saw rare. you nodding your head. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it's so rare today because the equipment across the board is just so well made that you have very little dips in terms of when guys – back in the 80s and 90s, you'd see someone like Curtis Strange and like Payne Stewart. Were like Those are guys whose careers were put on hold with, with an equipment change that really was a detriment to mm-hmm. them. For They had two or three lost years. They were not only trying to get adjusted, but they are using inferior equipment. You don't see that nowadays, but DeChambeau's game is just so well manicured, too. It's just, you know, it's, he's a, obviously a scientist. He, this, the specifics of his club need to be a certain way without <laughs> making – Terrible accusations. I think a lot of people around him, the driver he was using especially, was not fit for his game. Hmm. And you notice he did switch drivers when he when he had to put go on the Web.com finals and put the new driver in his bag, one that a lot of people thought he should have been playing from the start, and boom, wins. So I think and it looks like he is going to be playing that same driver this week. I think if you see any type of consistency, it's going to be he needs going to, he's going to need to put the ball in the fairway more, and you're starting to see that with this new driver in his bag. So I'm with you. I think DeChambeau is a guy we should not going to be. Remember, if you remember, we were talking about this guy, a Ryder Cup player. Right, right, right. That's not that type of hyper early, but I do think he's going to be a guy who Presidents w- Cup player. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm with you though. I think he's going to maybe have five, six top tens this year. Now you mentioned we we brought up equipment. Joel is our one of our equipment gurus here. I got to ask you, Joel. Are there any players that you worry about in the uh, upcoming season, particularly with the Nike news from the summer, with Nike getting out of the equipment business? Any of those players in particular, or anyone in general that you are particularly worried about heading into the season? The two, and they're both Nike guys. The two yeah. that jump off are Brooks Kepka. Um, it sounds like he's going to start putting the new irons in here, um, maybe around December. That is really worrisome because everyone looks at him as just a bit, you know, one of the longest hitters on tour. Mm-hmm. But he actually has a, has a really nice iron game as well. It'll be very interesting to see because he worked really closely with Nike and he liked their equipment. Um, but at the same time, you know, money talks. If he's going to get paid by somebody else to play, right. you're probably going to see that. Um, and the other guy, and he's been a Nike guy for, I think, you know, probably nine, ten years now, is Paul Casey. And he's mm-hmm. coming off this great run. But at the same time, he is about to be 40 how many big contracts he's going to have left after this season. He's kind of got to strike while the iron's hot. Right. So that will be an interesting one because you. why would you advocate for an equipment change when you're coming off arguably the best month of your career? Right. But at the same time, you know, money talks. So those are the two guys I'm kind of looking at. Um, obviously, people are wondering about Tiger. I think we've kind of discussed that. It's he, he. There's so many companies in play that it's hard to say. Rory will be interesting because – I don't think people realize how close Rory worked with Nike. Mm-hmm. A lot the irons he has in his bag. Some some of these guys on tour, they're so good that, hey, just tell me what to play, I'll put it in my bag and figure it out. Rory was actually very involved in not only the iron process but the ball process. Mm-hmm. So when he ever did, whenever he does make that change, it'll be interesting to see wh- who it's with and how if he has the same investment or if he goes, okay, whatever. At this point in my career, I just I trust right. you guys. So given the the way Rory's played the last month as well. That that's going to be an interesting concept to follow. So those are, I guess, the three guys I'm, I'm following at the moment. What, you bring up Rory. 
and he had that quote about stock. He loves the Nike golf ball so much that he stocked up. He has like two or three years worth. Is it really possible that he would play that golf ball for the next two or three years or, without changing? Like, or, or would the technology be such where he'd be kind of dumb to not move on? Probably this next year he could still play the ball and okay. not see total total drop. But after that, yeah, he would by by 2018 he would need to have a new ball okay. in, in his bag without a doubt. And Jason Day, we didn't mention him, but just to to clarify, he signed a huge contract with Nike, believed to be allegedly worth, allegedly allegedly. Sorry, can't, can't sorry. announce yet. Allegedly worth 10 million per year. Uh, we say allegedly because it's not official. We we have to wait and see. Uh, we believe it's going to kick in, in in January, so we'll, we'll see him wearing the swoosh. But that does not mean he's changing equipment. Sticking with TaylorMade. So right. So Joel, just explain. He's sticking with he, he he under if the alleged deal, he would still be playing the same. It, it's not like we have to worry about a big drop no, off. No, he'll still be. In, in fact, it was announced that that a, a couple of days after the Nike, um, the big Nike news, like he re-upped with TaylorMade in terms of the ball and the equipment. So. Okay. And that that's a relationship too. Dave's been playing Taylor Mead yeah. since he's come on tour, and that's that was when we kind of heard the rumors, and well, when we heard the rumors that he might be going to Nike, that was a lot of eyebrows raised yeah. because, again, it's a business, but in terms of player company relationships, that was as close as family as you have on tour. So okay. the, the fact that he's staying with Taylor Mead, I think, is a really good thing for Day. So no equipment questions with Day. There are back questions though. Um, you know, it's sad that he, he, you know, he emulates Tiger so much, and now he's got these back injury. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see. I mean, part of me thinks that it's not a big deal, but part of me thinks, wow, he pulled out of some big-time money tournaments there at the end of the season. So, well, Not only the Tour Championship, but he's missing two real big events in Australia. Mm-hmm. And not only the Australian Open, but the World Cup, World which Cup. he was going to team with Adam Scott. Right. That was, frankly, a little shocking. Um at least because he does have such an affinity for his home country. He hasn't been there in a while. Um, the fact that he's so worried about potential ramifications of even coming back too early really shows that, man, this thing's more than just a little tweak. I think he's legitimately worried about his long-term prospects. So the good thing is, is that his camp insists that this time off will make sure he's going to be totally you know, good to go. I think we'll see him um, you know, late January, early February. But, yeah, I think the back thing – only 28 years old, so you really have to keep your fingers crossed here for a couple of years to make sure he gets out of this without further damage. I think we've mentioned basically all the, the top, top guys. Uh, none of them are playing this week, but one last guy, world number two right now, Dustin Johnson. He wins PGA Tour Player of the Year award today officially uh, by a vote of his peers. He did not vote for himself. Now, he didn't vote at all, which is pretty <laughs> classic Dustin Johnson uh, answer right there. I think he was – in Cabo, living it up at the time, but um, do you think he realized he even had a vote? No, I, exactly. I mean, there's a very good, there's a very good chance he didn't realize uh, the 10 million was at stake at the FedEx Cup, uh, you know, at, at the Tour Championship when Rory just stole it from him at the end. Um, but your your thoughts just on on his year? Uh, obviously, a deserving winner of this award. Yeah, well, obviously the U.S. Open sticks out, um, and he had two other wins. And right now, he doesn't have the greatest of remembers is given the way he kind of fell apart there on Sunday in Atlanta but he was just so consistent what was it 14 top 10s after 15 top 15 tens, after 10 top fives he, it's just every time the guy tees it yeah. up he, he's really the only missed up he had was that balls of stroll and that you know yeah. other than that the guy was just every tournament he was in he, he was right there um, 
honestly, the way I know he actually got a pass at Augusta because the Jordan Spieth, the Jordan Spieth drama that happened on the 12th. I think the bigger story for me, at least until that point, was Dustin was had birdies seemingly on every hole on Sunday at Augusta and just could not convert yep. at all. Yep. That, that's I think if you really look back at the tape, that's Sunday. If he just makes two or three putts, the guy's probably put on the green jacket right. instead of Danny Willard. So I think he's going to be really interesting to see going uh, this year at, at the Masters. Um, I think Aaron Hill sets up really well for him. Um, I, you, we mentioned you know he just won his first major. I think he's this could be the, the start of you know a nice run where he wins maybe one for the next three or four years. I think he's that type of dominance. Um, again, everyone knows him for the distance, but his wedge play is as good as anyone from 100 yards and in. So if he gets Which that has down. Been the, what he said today, that was his biggest improvement this year. That was the biggest change for him, the wedge. wedge and he, he's got a new putter in the bag, and that's I think you're seeing dividends yeah. of that as well. So it's, it's going to be really fun to watch him in the next three or four years. Yeah, and if you look at all those top guys, you almost have to say he has the least amount of question marks by him. I mean, you know, you have Rory's off and on. Um, Speeth, you have questions about the swing. Day with the back. I mean, Dustin's in this tremendous athlete, this physical presence, and he seems to just be hitting his stride. So, it's yeah, in a scary. weird way. Yeah, I know. I know. And this is probably just because we're jerks, but sometimes we like to poke fun at that Dustin's not the most cerebral player out there. Right. I think it's I think it's proved this past year, especially at Oakmont. I think that's like it kind of a good thing. Yeah. It, it just things just roll right off him. Yep. Um, I, and. You know, clearly he he doesn't care what people whisper about him. He he doesn't care about the, you know, man, this guy's not taking enough seriously. You don't. I, I get it. You know, we look at him. We we see still raw talent. You don't get to this point just on talent. Right. The guy he, the guy, no, he yeah. might not convey it, but he he works. You know. Yep. Um. And again, if he he even what do you, what do you say today? And he only has he only gave seventy five percent or something. Yeah, no. Like that. He scale one to ten. How hard did he work this year? He said seven point five. And this was after he was going on and on about how hard he worked. So then the follow-up was, well, how hard do you usually work? And he said a five. So, yes, he. I think he still knows he could work even harder, but I think he he thinks he needs uh, a little bit of balance to keep him sane. And so I think he liked that 7.5 intensity level. Obviously, he works out like a monster in the gym. Mm-hmm. So, And, uh, you know, people say that doesn't matter. You know, Dustin and Rory are two guys who who argue that it does matter. And some guys they need that balance. Like I think right. Charles Barkley was a really good instance of. Like, sometimes we like to think of our guys as grinders, our athletes as that's all they do. Like yeah. they need to live a life outside of sports. Yeah. And I think that's actually healthy to, you know, let loose once in a while. And yeah, maybe not be the greatest look if it's always plastered on social media and you know Twitter. But this is kind of what he is, and he's embraced it. And I think it's for the better. Yeah, well, Dustin winning the Player of the Year kind of put a bow on this past season. We'll have plenty more time to discuss Dustin, Rory, Jason, all the big names. Plenty more time to discuss all the tournaments coming up. Uh, We're not going to give you any more sleepers. You have to come to the website and check out our list. And uh, please check back next week when we talk about next tournament. Thank you for listening, and uh, see you next week.